You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. Like the simple theme is this. Right now, purple smoke moment, you're living in somebody else's then. Like right now, you are living in somebody else's then. And depending on what you do, how you do, and where you're going will affect what their now is going to be. It could be somebody that, that's a family member. It could be great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren. It could be people you've never met, people you'll never see. But your now is going to become their then, and that's going to affect their now. And we want to see how this ties together. Well, today, I want to go to another step in one of these characters as we think about this. And yes, it's our three years, so there will be a point to this at the very end But I want to talk about Solomon. Last week we talked about David. We're not always going to tie these together, but David had this one major issue that we talked about last week with this one woman named Bathsheba. You remember me talking about it again? You can go to the podcast. He walks out on his his porch, but he sees this woman in the distance sunbathing, and he lays with her and gets her pregnant. And next thing you know, that kind of sends him on a journey that, that is totally different. But after his first child passes away, Him and Bathsheba actually end up having a second child. And you know him as Solomon. And you end with David progressing and kind of getting older. And all of a sudden, Nathan, prophet Nathan and Bathsheba get to David as he's on his deathbed, as he's starting to get towards the end, and and say, listen, you need to go ahead and announce and make that that Solomon, your son, is going to be the next king in this lineage. Well, here's a little bit of information. They're going to throw a timeline up there for you to give you a little bit of understanding of where we're at. Solomon was born around 991 B.C., that's before Christ, but it's around 970. So he's roughly 20 years old when David pronounces him as king, and he becomes king of the Israel people. Now, this is the golden age of Israel. This is like the the, the greatest moment. Solomon is going to take them on a journey where David kind of lays out and starts building the wealth, but Solomon's going to get to a point where it's the height, where they are the wealthiest, the most well-known, and and you're going to hear a lot very quickly about where he was at. Well, this is going to all transpire, and it's going to end up being a temple that's being built, and it's going to lead up to where he passes on in 931 B.C. So he has a short life, roughly about 60 years but in that, a lot, God does a lot, and he ends up being one of the kings of his people, the third one that reigns for 40 years. So let me tell you a little bit about Solomon. You can take that timeline down just to kind of get you caught up. You're going to have to kind of take some notes. I'm going to pause in the middle of a little bit of this to get into what God's Word's wanting us to say. But you're going to end up knowing Solomon a lot more when we leave here, and his then, hopefully, is going to impact our now. But with that being said, Solomon shows up on the scene. He ends up being the king. And very quickly, he has David pour into him. David's last words to his son Solomon is simply this. Adhere to the ways and the commandments of your God, and he will prolong or live out more of your days. You will be prosperous. You will grow in every way. Ironically enough, David knows this because that's exactly what God had told him. 
Well, Solomon, if you read the first part, or first Kings, it was Solomon coming on the scene after Samuel. That's where David does all of this. But first King cranks up, and for the first 11 chapters, we get the story of King Solomon. And he shows up, and the first thing he wants to start doing is he wants to sacrifice to God. He wants God to be the priority. The issue is, is there's not really a place for all these sacrifices to happen. So Solomon takes it upon himself and says, you know what? I want to be on a regular basis of us sacrificing to Yahweh, the living God, and to let him know how much we love him and how we're obedient to him. So he tells all the people to go up to the highest places and to make a sacrifice to God. And in this particular time, the Israelites are having more sacrifices than they've ever had, and the aspect of who God is and who he is in their life is prevalent. And during this time, God becomes so pleased with Solomon that he appears to Solomon in a dream. It's in uh, the book of 1 Kings. It's going to be chapter 3, verse 5, and it's at Gibeon. And this is what it says. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Now, this is key. This is a major point. Realize that King Solomon, because of what he's leading the people to do, God has become so pleased with him that he appears to him and says, Listen, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, I'm so ecstatic about the things you're doing. Ask me, the God, Yahweh, whatever you want. And here's what Solomon asked for. You're going to remember real quickly what it was. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Because we, he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him a great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king, talking about himself, in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for by multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people. This is the story that you hear about, because Solomon is known as the, man, the wisest man who ever lived, because when asked by God, saying, I can give you anything you want, Solomon's request was, God, give me wisdom. And it wasn't just wisdom, but it is also discernment with wisdom. See, the difference in knowledge and wisdom is the ability to have discernment. Knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is applying something. We all learn this at an early age. If you've been around the oven, you understand. That's hot. How do you understand that? More than likely, you've burnt yourself. Knowledge is, that'll burn me. Wisdom is, I ain't going to touch it. Ironically enough, in our own daily lives, we have the same sort of thing. There's a lot of things that, I want to be real careful here, because this is a great day. I don't, I don't want to be like right hook from China. But there's a lot of things that you know. But man, are we terrible at applying it. Like I talk about an oven burning us, and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, don't touch that. But then we talk about other things in our life that are not biblical or ethical or moral. And it'll destroy our life. 
but we grab a hold of it, don't we? Isn't it amazing how knowledgeable you can be and how quick life can get out of hand? Because of that, I want to petition us as a church today. Whether you're here in person or online, I want you, discernment is actually one of God's spiritual gifts. I tell people, every person that has ever been hired at Crossroads Community Church, one of the first conversations I have with them is I say, you need to start the process of praying on a regular basis for God to give you the spirit of discernment. We joke around, but it's one of those things like, like there's a lot going on. Like how do you decide? How do you make decisions? How do you know what's next? You know God's got something big planned for you. How do you make those decisions? The first thing you've got to do, listen to me, We have got to tap into God's wisdom and not our own. God's wisdom is greater than your greatest knowledge. Sam and I spent a lot of time joking around about this. I I went to Union University. All right, Sam graduated from Lee University. Haley graduated from Lee University. You put both of them together and it almost equals my one Union University. But, no, I'm kidding. All right, but it's one of those, we laugh because, you know, those, those schools are amazing schools. But there's a big difference between like, hey, this is how you do it from the book, and then the reality of, oh, this is how it is in life. And we joke around about that and say, wow, they, you know, they didn't really, like they just said, if you, you know, if you do this, then this, and you get this. I did this, I didn't get this, and I ain't even close to that. Like what do you, and God's saying, you gotta have, you gotta have discernment. Solomon ironically enough, has this in his life because he ends up asking for it. Now, the amazing thing is, and I'm not going to take time to do it right now, but if you go back into 2 Samuel and read a little bit of that story of David speaking to uh, Solomon when he was young, it's one of the things that he tells David. He says, if I can encourage you with anything, seek wisdom. See, Solomon was directly putting into action something that his father had already poured into him. But look how God responds. Because if we ask him, here's what I believe God will do. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches of life for your enemies, but have asked for yourself an understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do it according to your word. Behold, I give you wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you, none like you shall arise after you. I will give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days. And if, underline, if you have a paper Bible, underline these words, and if you will walk in my ways, that's a big if, if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David did, then I will lengthen your days. And then verse 15, Solomon wakes up and realizes it was a dream. And he immediately goes and makes a sacrifice to God and declares it as truth. And then you have this amazing story that follows where God blows everybody, or God blows everybody away, but it was Solomon who blows them all away because you have these two prostitutes that come in with this one living baby. And they say, this is my baby. And, and while I was asleep at night, somebody changed this baby out. And, and she stole my baby because her baby died. But, but 
now she's got my baby, and, and I want you to give me back my baby. And this other lady's going, no, it's my baby. It was her baby that died. And there's this debate going on. And Solomon looks at him and says, I don't know which one of you guys is the baby, so here's what we'll do. Cut the baby in half and give each one of them half of it. In which the baby's real mother says, oh, no. Please, for the sake of that baby's life, just let her have the baby. In which the other lady said, no, I don't need this baby. Just neither one of us should have the baby. And Solomon goes, ha, only the real mother would care more about the baby's life than to be the mom. And people went, ooh, wisdom. What does that mean to crossroads? I believe there's a lot of things. That's kind of open-ended. But I believe there's a lot of things. And when I say crossroads, just know, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about crossroads like it's a building that meets. No, I'm talking about people. Church is something you are, not something you go to. So all along today, when I say crossroads, I'm talking to you specifically and me specifically. I think that if we can learn to have discernment and wisdom, then we truly have some amazing days ahead of our life. Well, from this, it kind of launches into a lot of different things. And and in 1 Kings, it really goes into now that, that this has happened. Solomon is convinced that there's one thing he wants to do to carry out his father's legacy. And so the the middle parts of of these first 11 chapters is Solomon building this temple. And he's what he becomes best known for. In fact, I'll give you the exact dates. He starts probably in the spring of 967 or 966 B.C. And if we look, this is in chapter 6. It tells you kind of when it started. It talked about four years after the start of his reign. That's how we get these numbers. And then it says it took seven years, so it's probably seven years later in the spring of of the opposite year, depending on how you want to do your math. Either it would have been 960 or 959, and we know that from 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 38. He completes this temple. And all these things are happening, and all these things are going great, and he's built this great kingdom. But the issue is is that he, he starts to slowly kind of wane from what that dream was about. Because God said, if, if you adhere to my ways, if you will keep my commandments, then I will elongate your days. Well, this starts to kind of climax because God actually appears to him again in chapter 9. I'm not going to spend time talking about that because God appears to him the same way he did. The first time, in a dream, he appears to Solomon twice. But this time, it's after the temple is completed and after the king's palace has been built, and he basically tells him the same thing. Keep my commandments. Learn my statutes. Walk in my ways. In fact, it's so evident that in chapter 10, we have this amazing story that shows up where the queen of Sheba shows up to see Solomon. You guys have been on a journey for a year called Known and Needed that was a message written out of this encounter that Solomon had with Queen Sheba. Because Queen Sheba shows up. She probably would have been from the Ethiopian area. And she shows up to King Solomon with one basic concept. I have heard of everything about you. I had to come see for myself. And in chapter 10, he does this, and she starts being around King Solomon. And here's the cool part. She says, and what I have been told 
is nowhere close to what I'm experiencing. Because these people are totally fulfilled. These people are totally understood. Not only are you known, but the way that you meet and help people feel needed supersedes my expectations. And so she ends up lavishing him with all these gifts. And it's a great story about the concept of what it means to make sure people feel known and also let them know they're needed. And then you go into chapter 11 of King Solomon's story, and you get one line, chapter 11, verse 1, that is the downfall of King Solomon. I, I will just read it. I, I've got it in my notes. It says this very, very simply. It says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women. And by the time you get to the end of chapter 11, he's dead. And not only is he dead, but the great Israel nation is now being taken over by his predecessor, his son. And now it's getting split. And now there's going to be a northern and a southern kingdom. And we're going to enter what will eventually end up being the Babylonian exile and because he told him in this dream that if you don't keep my commandments, that even this temple will be destroyed. And next thing you know, they're in Babylonian captivity. And here comes King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar ends up destroying the temple. And everything that God said has come to fruition in Solomon's life during and even after and with the splitting of his kingdom. That is the story of the wisest man that ever lived. But it's not really the, the rest of the story. Because see, a part of King Solomon's amazing wisdom is he ends up writing three other books that were inspired by God that's a part of your holy canon. You know them as Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then that wonderful book that nobody dare talks about nor study, the Song of Solomon. We have these amazing things. One of the reasons why he writes Song of Solomon's is because one of the things you know is not only he's the wisest man that ever lived, but you've heard this statement before. He also had 700 wives. Seven. I just want you to think about this for a minute. I mean, the guy dies at 60. He kind of becomes king around, around 19 years old. I don't know when he started. It starts with him marrying the Pharaoh's daughter because he starts leveraging. See, Solomon wanted to, to have peace, and so the way he would do it is he would leverage somebody else's daughter, the king's daughter, the princess, and he would marry him. And so that's why he would start to get control. That's how he built a lot of wealth. 700 times. Do the math there. Let's, let's just give him more credit and say he started at age 15. From 15 to age 60. In 55 years, the man had 700 wives. Like, how in the world does that work? I don't know. And then you throw on top of it, not only did he have 700 wives, but he had 500 concubines. You say, what is that? Basically, if it wasn't biblically able to be in marriage, or there was some sort of a holdup that you couldn't actually marry, there was something that wouldn't allow you to be married to that person, well, he would just move them in and make them a part of his concubine. So he had 700 wives, 500 concubines, carry my number, 1,200 women. 
The fact that he lived to be 59 is one of the greatest miracles in God's Word. I'd have been done at 28. Not, not if they were all like my wife, because my wife is awesome. I need to put that in there. But 1,200. So when they say that his issue was that he loved foreign women, I mean, you're talking about an understatement. I mean, yeah, 1,200 women. But So he writes, writes the Song of Solomon because of really all those relationships. And, I mean, honestly, if anybody's going to have an idea about relationships, 1,200 women, obviously, I think he understands is probably a little bit better than most. But he also writes Ecclesiastes, and he also writes Proverbs. And that's actually where I want to go today to, to spend the, a very quick but short amount of time on, on really what we have. See, if we go to Ecclesiastes, here's a man that ends up being the wealthiest man that ever lived, that's the wisest man that ever lived, that put Israel in the greatest state it ever was at, even though after his death it ends up being split. It ends up being split because his son, Rehoboth, that comes in and starts governing, he starts mistreating this one group, and he unfortunately takes wise counsel or takes unwise counsel. He goes to these elderly people and says, how can I handle these people? And they give him great advice. And then he goes to these younger ones, and they give him the exact opposite. And being a young guy, he, he takes the advice of the younger one rather than the older one. And immediately they're like, peace out. We're not being a part of your kingdom anymore. And they revolt. And so all of a sudden, now you have two kings in, in the year 931 B.C. But here's what I want you to catch. You're going to look at these scriptures on screen. In Ecclesiastes, everything that he did with his life all the wealth, all the, the, the wisdom, all the women. It's like the three W's here. Wealth, women, wisdom. Listen to what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14 I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. But the constant theme of Ecclesiastes is Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, who had gained all these different things, and him saying, all this stuff that I got is vanity. It's chasing after the whirlwind. It's chasing after the wind. It's not worth it. And he ends Ecclesiastes with one simple phrase. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. The very last words that he says in the book of Ecclesiastes, because, I mean, literally for eight chapters, he's explaining a situation and ends going, it's vanity. And he explains the situation and says, you know what, and it's vanity. And he talks about his wealth and he says, you know what, and it's vanity. And he talks about these different seasons and he says, you know what, and it's vanity. And everything he says is it's vanity, it's not worth it, it's chasing after the wind, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. And at the very end, he says, but this is worth it. Fear God and keep his commandments. See, that affects us right now, doesn't it? Like if we could take some words from the wisest man that ever lived, I, I may not be the, the sharpest crown in the box, but one of the things that I would say is, you know what, if you give me the opportunity to sit down with the wisest man that ever lived, I'm going to listen to some of the things that he has to say. 
And you have that ability. God's word that was inspired by God, I believe it's the reason why it's in here, the reason why God inspired him, is he wants you to know there are things, listen to me, there are things that you are chasing. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what gender you are. There are things that you are chasing that are vanity. Can I talk to all my single people for a minute? I love my single people. I want you to understand something. If you're not enough before, you're not going to be enough after marriage. Like, get ready to bring your best self to the dance. Marriage is not something that completes you. God is the one that completes you. So take a deep breath in this preparation stage. Don't rush through it. But know that if you ain't enough right now, that I don't care who the boy is or who the girl is that comes along, you're not going to be enough after. Because some things that you're chasing... Though they may be great, are nothing to compare to what God wants in your life. But there's one other thing that he talks about in Proverbs. The book of Proverbs can basically be summed up by, by one particular scripture that shows up quite a bit in Proverbs. You can see it several different times in different chapters. It's kind of the central thing of Proverbs. Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. And it's written by Solomon. And he says this, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. See, he'll use that multiple times in Proverbs, either using the word destruction or using the word death, and making sure that you understand, going back to this aspect of vanity, that the reason why it's so crazy is in the middle of it, you'll actually think it's right. You ever heard the saying, love can be blinding? Guess what? Life can be blinding too. You can get so caught up with all the trees that you don't realize you're standing in the middle of the forest. And you need to understand that without this aspect of who God is in your life, there's going to be a way that seems right to you, but you better be careful. Because if it's not understanding God and his commandments and what it is, it's going to end in destruction. I'll dive into that a little bit more, but Proverbs is where I get two amazing, amazing scriptures that I use on a regular basis. One of them is my life verse. It's Proverbs 16.3, and it simply says this. Commit your works to the Lord, and he will establish your plan. Every since when I was a teenager and knew God was calling me into ministry, I knew at that moment that that was going to be the verse. Because the reality is, is I don't have to worry about all the plans. All I got to worry about is my work. Like every day I wake up, and I don't say, hey, God, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. But, hey, I give you my life. And God's like, I don't need that. What I need is your work. You wake up and give me your works, And guess what, baby? I'll establish your plans. I want you to listen to this so that you catch it. God doesn't want your plans. He wants your works. If you will get up and commit your works to him, walking in his ways, doing what he's called you to do, 
Then his scripture, wisest man ever lived, says, and he will establish your plan. Mickey, how in the world do you end up being married for 23 years with five kids and yada, yada, yada? I have no idea. I don't know how you do that. But if you'll wake up and be obedient, it's amazing how it'll work itself out. And God truly will give you the desires of your heart. But there's another scripture that's in there that I think is very, very appropriate for us. It's in first, it's, I'm sorry, it's in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 20. And I think it goes along with this concept of destruction. And the student heard me speak about it a couple of weeks ago. But it says, walk with the wise and you will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. And it's where I get the phrase, very simply, that one of the things that you need to know today is that your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. Those two verses have changed a lot of the precepts or concepts of the things that I do and what we do at Crossroads. But there's even one step further. Why is that important? Why does that mean something to us right now? Well, here's how it relates to Christ. That was the then. Now let's fit it into Christ. Solomon said, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Jesus says it this way in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Oh, but Pastor Mickey, there's many ways. No, there's many ways that seem right. But in the end, they lead to destruction. You mean there's only one way? Listen to me. There is only one way. You say, that doesn't fit today. I don't have to fit today. I just got to tell you the truth. There is only one way. Well, what about all this other stuff that I'm getting bombarded with? All that stuff seems right. (laughs) Yeah, figure that out. The wisest man ever lived said, there's a way that seems right to men, but in the end it leads to destruction. Solomon also ends up being the lineage in which this way comes in. Because he's the son of David, and he keeps going on. And next thing you know, guess what? Here's Jesus who shows up on the scene, and he takes some of the words that the wisest man has ever lived. He puts them in something that affects us now. He says, listen, you don't have to struggle about trying to figure this out. Like, oh, my goodness, am I being deceived? Do I have the right way, or am I, am I about to be de- I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're telling me I'm going to think it's right, but what if I'm thinking it's right, but it's not right? You don't have to doubt. Listen to me. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You can put a stake on that, and you ain't got to question it ever again. Well, Mickey, how do I handle when when some of my friends come up and they start telling me, well, well, you're a bigot, or or you're you're, you're struggling, you're you're closed-minded, your religion's a crutch. I'll tell you what, you walk with the wise and you'll be wise, but the companion of the fool will suffer harm. Like if there's anything we get from Solomon, you know what we get? We get truth. And we learn what it means to stand on truth. Why? Because anything else is vanity. You're going to find it's not worth it. In the end, you're going to say, man, I'm chasing after the wind. Well, not only does it tell us that there's only one way and 
In Proverbs, he talks about this whole concept constantly about keeping God's commandments. How does that apply to Jesus? Well, you can go to Matthew. You're going to see the scriptures on the screen. Matthew, where Jesus gets challenged, and they say, hey, teacher, which one of these? In fact, I'll turn here so I can read it to you. He says, which one of these is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And then second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. So you know how it affects you right now? Not only does Jesus understand and through Solomon's wisdom you understand that there's only one way. That everything else is just a path that leads to destruction even though it may seem right. But he also says, you know what, the one thing that I understand is obey God's commandments. You say, what does that mean? Do I got to start sacrificing chickens? Like, what is that? Listen, you're not in a sacrificial system anymore. Because God's given you a commandment. He says, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You know what we say around here? It's very simple. Love God. And the second's like it. And love your neighbor as yourself. You know what we say? Love people. We're celebrating three years. And I'm more confident of this now than I've ever been. It ain't about chasing after a building. That's vanity. It's not about chasing after a piece of ground. That's vanity. It's not about, it's, it's really, truly about walking in his ways and loving God and loving people. I believe that is when it's all said and done is going to be what you're known for. I believe your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your spouses, people you work with, people that are friends of yours, they may not remember a whole lot about you. Oh, well, he was a pretty good mechanic. Oh, well, she was a pretty good whatever. Whatever it may be, they may not remember a whole lot, but what they will remember is, boy, I tell you what, that guy loved me well. That lady loved me well. Man, that person, man, they loved God, and they loved people. Like, they weren't judgmental. Like, even though we didn't agree necessarily, like their beliefs were a little bit different than ours, you're seeing a lot of this in the news right now. With the passing of Ruth, and you're hearing all these people saying, hey, even though we may not have agreed as far as our decisions, I can respect her for what she did. Listen to me. You don't have to agree with people to love them. You can love them despite what they believe. You just got to make sure that your belief doesn't get swayed by theirs. Because there is a battle that's raging over your compromising. And so here's what we're going to do. Rather than chasing after everything that people say is what church is about, and I have found out, not by personal experience, but just through studying and reading and thinking and praying, and yes, I will tell you, I have dreams. I have amazing dreams. It's crazy, some of the dreams. You say, why don't you share those with you? Why don't you share those with us? To be honest with you, because you'd freak out. And most of you would walk out that door and you'd think, he has lost his ever-loving mind. But I'll tell you the biggest part of the dream, it ain't about us. 
You guys are in the process of doing something so much bigger than yourself. Your now is going to become their then. And there are people that hundreds of years down the road, unless Christ comes back, is going to be life changed because of Crossroads Community Church. And they're going to talk about you as if you were the greatest thing ever because you were planning this. And they're going to make us out to be something bigger than what we really are holier than what we really are, and the reality is all we were were everyday, ordinary people, and we loved God, and we loved people. And that's where we're going to put our foot down. Nothing more and nothing less. But I want you to leave here encouraged. From the words of the wisest man that ever lived, if you will fear God, and you will keep his commandments, love God, love people, then you can rest that your days will be long. In fact, can I put it a different way? I believe God's setting you up for your life to outlive your life. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.